the teacher's desk. 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 Hello. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the teacher's desk. This podcast is all about teaching and learning and classrooms and what it's like to be a teacher. So whether you're a fellow teacher, somebody who's interested in what's happening in the classroom, maybe a parent or possibly a student, this this podcast is for you. This is what we do. We talk about teaching. Now, this isn't a place where we just talk about the things that are wrong with teaching and what um what makes us miserable about teaching because there's there's plenty that make can go both directions but that's the thing is why do we keep doing it i mean when a teacher has a bad day boy it can be a bad day and they get up and they go back and they go back the next year and they go back on and on so why do we do that there's obviously good with the bad and that's what we talk about here at the teacher's desk my name's ivan i'm your host here and this is our pilot episode so right on yeah all right, let's get going here. This is this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I will tell you, I've already conducted a couple of the interviews that I'll be using in this show, and I'm really excited. I think they turned out fantastic, and I really like the subject matter that we are talking about. Some things I didn't even expect were going to come to light, so it's been a lot of fun already just on what I've witnessed, so I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you. Okay, so to get started, this is our pilot, and I, I'm going to give you a little bit of background about me mostly because I am your host, this is my podcast, and I want to introduce myself. But I don't want to go over it every every episode. I mean, that it, it. I don't really want to talk about myself. I want to talk about my ideas and my views in contrast to my other colleagues that I bring in and hear their ideas and their perspectives and their views. But I want to give you a little background. I am a uh, certified secondary teacher with an endorsement in English language arts. Uh, most of my time has been spent in high school, teaching high school, though I have worked extensively in the middle school realm as well, mostly through my student teaching and some other jobs I had before I was a certified teacher, including special education, paraeducator, and like positions. So most of my time's been spent with um, the older kids, mostly from 11 all the way through graduating high school. Though I also spent uh, several years as a substitute teacher, which had me working with long-term sub-jobs with third graders and first graders and uh, fifth graders, which was a very different world. I have so much respect for elementary teachers, that's for sure. So anyway, I do come from quite a few years of experience with that. I do hold a Master of Education degree and a Bachelor of the Arts in English. And I um, I think the, what's really important about me, though, isn't, well, yeah, of course, it's that stuff that lends a little bit of credibility to me. But what I find to be interesting about myself, which is one of the most uncomfortable things I think I've ever said, <laughs> but what I find interesting is um, I was an absolute terrible student. As a student, as a child, I was horrible. A, a little bit of a cliche. I mean, when did it happen for me? Right about seventh or eighth grade. Uh, I turned on the school. At that time, I felt like the school had turned on me. Um, and I really fought against the system from then until I just barely graduated high school a couple years later. It was it was rough. 
And as a developing teen, uh, going through all of that, I was very angry at the system. And I didn't, the most important thing is that I didn't see the value in education. I, I had it stuck in my head that I was, they were tr attempting to domesticate me, which I mean, in a way there's, there's a little bit of truth to that. And I could take little bits of evidence and argue that, but I just, I didn't want to be involved. I did what I had to. I skipped a lot of class. My last couple of years in high school, I failed a lot of classes. I was just barely able to graduate at the end. And I just, I walked away. I got out of it. Well, fast forward a few years later and I traveled the country, um, moved all over the United States, worked a lot of different jobs, worked in restaurants. I started commercial fishing up in Alaska. I did a bunch of things where I could work a seasonal job, make a bit of money and go travel. And I worked a lot of uh, manual labor jobs and other things that were, I mean, not really well paying, but I didn't need a whole lot of skills. I didn't have a whole lot of other skills. And what I saw, and this is what I feel is relevant and important, is I saw that a lack of education wasn't about, I mean, it wasn't about dumb. There's nothing dumb about a lack of education. What it is, is it turns out to be a lack of power. The inability to communicate is a lack of power. The inability to figure something out on your own, whether it be a contract or a law or the vital information on legislation you're going to vote on, all of these things, it's about power. And I saw that for myself as I was turning 20, 21, 22 years old. And I saw that going to school wasn't about becoming domesticated. It was about becoming a citizen, like an active citizen, being able to read and write and articulate your thoughts, being able to figure out a lot of the small problems for yourself instead of relying on other people. And it dawned on me that I'd had it all wrong. I thought the system was trying to make me into a shape that would fit into a particular hole. And sure, in a way it is. I mean, we'll talk more about that in a later episode about how to get, a, how our attempts to get away from the institution <laughs> or the feeling of an institution in schools has and a lot. It's not really successful, but we'll get into that later. But what it really was doing was it was trying to give me the skills that I needed so that when I left, I would have options. I would have power and not just power as a male, which that's a, another area of discussion if we want to get into that, but power as a citizen of the United States, of, of the town I live in. And I don't mean citizen as far as citizenship. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of people that are coming to the country to um, get citizenship. And again, we can talk about the kids that are coming from other countries too. But I'm talking about being an active part of your society, that level of citizenship. The person that's able to take it to the company when something doesn't go right. The person that's able to go to their landlord and articulate their issues in a way that's in line with their contract. These things really do come down to power. So, I enrolled in college. I had to find a college that, uh, this was when I was uh, 22 years old. I found a college in Tennessee 
that did not care about my high school grades because I barely graduated. I, I had horrible, horrible marks. I wasn't unintelligent. I just had not applied myself whatsoever. So they had me take a test in which I somehow made it all the way through not having to take any remedial classes. But I started in college five years after I had graduated high school. And four years, I think it was. And I loved it. Oh my goodness. It was like something had clicked in my brain. And suddenly I was an eager learner. I couldn't get enough. I took Latin because I was curious about Latin. And I got a 4.0 in it. I'd never gotten a 4.0 in anything in my life. And I loved it. I, I devoured school. And I, I just couldn't get enough. It was it was fantastic. So it, it changed in me. And that fueled my desire to become a teacher. It took a long time. Uh, I ended up taking more years off and transferring into a, a larger university that was a little harder to get into to get my to finish my degree. But uh, fast forward through all of it, that's that's really where that switch flipped. And I still see what I saw as a kid. I don't really have a whole lot of patience for it in myself, so but but I do see it in other kids, and I understand kind of where it comes from, and I think that 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 helps me a little bit. Um, it helps me to have a little bit of that understanding. Now, granted, that is my perspective. I believe it helps. I've had some students actually say as much, but I am going to stick by that. I feel like it's uh, beneficial. Yeah, that's that's really what it comes down to. Um, the most important thing about me is that I used to be that that student that really that you just want to help and they just resist so hard. I used to be that kid, and that's um, I, I I feel like that fuels my desire to reach all of my students, or at least do my very best to reach all of my students. Okay, so. To bring this to a close about me, uh, again, my name is Ivan. I am your host. This has been a little bit about me here. But I will obviously talk a little bit more about myself as each of these go on. But I wanted to give you a little bit of a basic outline of where I came from. So, that's me. Nice to meet you. And again, this is the Teacher's Desk. So what I have for you here is I have a little montage that I put together with some sound bites of some of the interviews that I've conducted, some of the guests that I've gotten to know. And while it is a small group of teachers, I think a lot of what they say definitely resounds across a lot of the people that work in the industry. I think that young people need connections with all kinds of other people. And uh, to be one of those people is a real honor. The most important thing about it for me is that it matters. There's just a lot of frustration and stress. I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. Simultaneously exhausting and rewarding. I don't know how many times I have put something down in front of my students and the things that they come up with absolutely blow my mind. It takes an incredible amount of planning to do a good job. It is an exhausting career. It's a passion. Fulfilling and so draining at the same time. 
those really good days in teaching by far outweigh those really tough days. There's never a day I don't enjoy going to work. Being a teacher is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life and one of the most important. I, I really love some of those sound bites. I've listened to them quite a bit, putting it together. And Ian's little, there's just a lot of frustration and stress. <laughs> it just makes me chuckle every time I hear it. Uh, it it was it was really nice. And some of the things that these teachers said, I do feel like are relevant all over. The idea that we are doing something that there's a weight that's carried with it. There's a there's a desire to do well that is not just bound in a bonus or a commission. I'm not putting any other trades down. I just our investment has a heartbeat. And there's a weight to that. And I kinda heard that in some of those some of those sound bites. And I think that that's part of why we we put up with a lot of the things that we put up with. And I don't mean to whine or say that teachers are victims of some scheme or something. I mean, they've definitely been dealt some pretty rough cards in the past, at times, not always. But almost anyone that's in the industry will tell you it is exhausting, incredibly exhausting. And for someone to go through that job with as much drama as there often is that comes along with it, and that exhaustion. And by and large, it is incredibly thankless. Why do we come back? I think that that, that notion of something larger, something more important than just guiding kids through a textbook or something, there, there's something more there. And I think it has to do with this. We're teaching them how to learn. And that, that I think is fundamental to what teaching is, is we're not just, the content is, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's arbitrary, but so often the content, especially in English, and often in something like history as well, the content is, it does something else. In history, when you learn a series of events and learn the decisions that were made that led to those, that series of events, you're learning about an important part of human history, but you're also learning how to pay attention to the actions of people, to the actions of groups, and what do those actions, what kind of waves, shock waves, follow. It's not just about history, it's about learning about the world around you. So there is, there is some deeper meaning going on, without a doubt, and I think that's part of the drive. Teenagers don't thank you. Children thank you a little more often, I think. But we don't really need it. And what I mean by that is we see the growth. And a lot of times we see growth despite what a student wants to show us. I mean, of course, there's, there's plenty of students that actually enjoy learning new things and grasping new concepts and becoming a more educated human being. But even for some of those that do enjoy it, there's still a social stigma in 
the adolescent world that often looks down on enjoying something that's so structured. It's almost as if teenagers see giving in to a teacher's idea as showing weakness or showing that you're not thinking for yourself. And I'm drawing back a little bit on my own memories of what it was like, but I'm also drawing from my experiences now, especially being an English teacher. I get to read a lot of the thoughts of students that they don't share when they raise their hand in class. And what that often does is it gives me a look inside what they're really thinking and what they're really feeling. Granted, sometimes they're just writing something to try and get a good grade. I really enjoyed this piece, teacher, because of blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, sure, that's great. But you also get a little more of the genuine side of how they feel, sometimes without them intending to. But my point was, there is a resistance to engage. Even with well-performing students, there's a resistance to engage somebody else's idea. I'd venture to say that we have a very similar thing in the adult world. Somebody comes in with a new idea for a team. A lot of times that idea is met with what seems like an apathetic response, even if the other team members agree with the ideas. I don't have a background in sociology other than teaching, <laughs> but I do find it interesting that we often resist jumping on board with other people's ideas. Now, if we look at teaching as one of the sound bites said, a person that young people interacts with this puts teaching in quite a position among other professions. I mean, we have professions that certainly take a level of sacrifice. Being a police officer, being a, a firefighter, being an ER nurse, being anybody who works in trauma, anybody who works in fast-paced, high-stress environments, there's obviously a level of sacrifice. And teachers, what do they really sacrifice? Well, I, I think that's much more individual, but we are more than just educators. We're models for behavior. We are setting a very large number of the rules and expectations for children that they have. And that's not making an assumption of what's going on at home. The different rules and expectations that are at home, that varies student to student, family to family, home to home. And I definitely have opinions about that, but the bottom line is hands off. That's not my realm. My realm is the school. Outside of something bad happening or something that shouldn't be happening in a legal standpoint, I have, I have no basis of any sort of judgment on anyone. But even from a strict household, the amount of rules and expectations that a child, an adolescent goes through in school, that's huge. So we're not only setting those rules, but we're modeling the behavior that we, well, we're hopefully modeling the behavior that we hope to see. This isn't something that we're taught, by the way, in teacher school. Now, let me be fair. Different teacher programs teach different things. The ones that I am closely aware of, including the one I went through and several others, outside of student teaching, there isn't a lot when it comes to how we're supposed to do all of those things. 
modeling the behavior, showing how we can adhere to the rules and still succeed, how we can continue to do the rote material and still find find value in it and still find something that keeps us going through it. Because when you get bored with it, students see that and they stop engaging. But this is getting off topic. The truth of it is, is it is an exhausting career. It is stressful. It is challenging. But it is, it's the chance of a lifetime to interact with kids as they're, as they're learning how to learn. It's, it's something that's important, whether they realize it or not, it is important. And when they leave your classroom, whether you're pleased with their development or frustrated by their development or worried about their development, you had a chance to, to try to get through to them, to share something that you have to share with them. You had a chance to open up that intellectual side of your mind to show them the connections that you see in the world. And that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty profound relationship. I look back on some of those with my teachers and honestly, I don't know how many of them felt that way or if it was just that I didn't see it. Now, every teacher is different. And teachers are there for a reason. I think it is also important to note that being a teacher means that we're forging a relationship with students that is a very unique relationship. A student or a child or an adolescent has different types of relationships with the people around them. Their relationship with their friends, their relationship with their parents, or their boss if they have a job, or their teacher, they're all different types of relationships. Their coach would be another one. And what that means is that we, I know this isn't the same for every teacher, but for many of us, being completely ourselves is not really an option. And what I mean by that isn't that we need to hide who we are. It's that modeling the correct behavior in truth, is more about code switching. Teachers talk to other teachers in a different way than they talk to students. Teachers talk to their personal friends in a different way, or their spouses or partners. They speak to different people in different ways. And so when it comes to students, when it comes to walking in in front of a class of 25 to 36 students day after day, many teachers, I would venture to say most, but I, I don't have any sort of basis other than my own, the people that I do know, but I know a good many teachers who they are in the classroom. It's a portion of themselves. There is a genuine part of it, but they don't show all of it, which means what we see as a student. When you think back to what it was like when you were a student, you're seeing a part of a person, because they're not going to show all of it to a student. That may sound a little weird, but the truth is, is that, that that keeps things on the right level. If you allow things to get too personal, 
then it's really hard to continue with discipline or rules that may seem unfair but are part of the classroom or grading becomes a personal thing if two people are too close. Evaluating writing or evaluating a math test or evaluating a, a lab experiment or evaluating these things needs to be completely objective. So teachers have to stay objective. Do we have our favorites? <laughs> I'll just leave that one there. Do we try and grade absolutely without bias? Without a doubt. There's tools nowadays where we can grade without even seeing the names of the papers to help us out with that. We can definitely do well with that. But if a student feels too emotionally attached or too personally attached to a teacher, it makes it more difficult for a teacher to effectively do their job. Now, I'm not talking about some of the ridiculous extreme things we've seen with some teachers and not just blurring the lines of the relationship with students, but absolutely just crossing over and that has to do with courts and jail time and everything else. I'm talking about just in general in, in how personal we allow our relationships to be with our students. And so when I look back on some of my teachers that I thought of as being cold, apathetic, felt like they didn't have any time for me, or that gave me ridiculous answers to important questions that I thought I was asking, now that I reflect on it, perhaps a lot of what I was seeing was I was seeing their, for lack of a better word, act, their teacher face. I had a teacher in high school. He was a math teacher. He was skinny, wore button-up shirts, just like I had done in junior high before I became disillusioned with school. He looked like a nerd, had big, big glasses and short hair. He and I had a good relationship in the sense that he had a really good sense of humor with all of my, well, he was an algebra teacher, so I had plenty to say about algebra and what I thought I was going to be using algebra for in my future. And he had a good sense of humor about it. I believe this was my freshman year? My sophomore year. Yeah, it was my sophomore year. Well, I would secretly make fun of this guy. Because he was a nerd. The irony is, is so was I. I just was fighting against everything so much that I'd rather be labeled a punk. What I didn't know about this man was that he was an artist. He was a woodworker that had traveled all the way up to the small place in Alaska that I had grown up in a van full of different types of wood for him to carve. This man was an artist. He was also a mathematician and a high school math teacher. And every day he put on his, those button-up shirts and he came to school and he tolerated us, he tolerated me, and then he went home and he was himself there. The reason why this is a somber thing for me is because a few years later, this teacher died in a tragic accident, and I had the opportunity to go back and teach in my old school district. This was after he had passed away, but I got to talk to several people that knew him personally. I had never done anything wrong to this man other than 
making fun of him behind his back, as an adolescent will. But I just, I felt like I had missed a chance. I felt like my assumption had gotten in the way of me knowing something amazing. What I mean for all this is that this man, this, this teacher that I had, this artist that was also a math teacher, he came to school as a teacher. He came to school as if he fit into the box that we had already placed him in. But what this means for a teacher is that our job is important enough that we make sure to model our behavior in the same way that we model our expectations for our students. Deep stuff, right? <laughs> hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the teacher's desk. This has been our first episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope to hear from you if you have ideas, if you have feedback. I hope that you subscribe and continue to listen to this podcast. All right, y'all take it easy. <laughs>